we just recorded a podcast this morning, actually. So, and that's how they started it too. They just did like a raw intro. So I'm ready. Amazing. Amazing. So welcome to the Creators Are Brands podcast, the show that discovers how storytellers are building businesses online. My, my name is Tom. I'm your host. And today we have my friend, Sam Taylor from Contra, who is, is going to, uh, is going to drop some gems on, on our world about what, what it looks like to be a freelancer and maybe a little bit of a creator, uh, in today's digital age. Contra or Contra Sam, (laughs) Sam, welcome to the podcast. Can you give me a little bit insight of, uh, what Contra is and what you do at Contra, what, what, what your role is besides just crushing the TikToks. <laughs> yes, of course. Every single time I do anything media related, it's always TikTok girl. And that is so true. Um, but hey, everyone, I'm Sam. I'm the head of social strategy here at Contra. So I'm really overlooking all of our marketing from our blogs and content to our social content, to influencers, brand partners, all of that. Um, and it's super exciting to be in this space right now. And so to give you kind of context to what Contra is, essentially, we allow anyone to work for themselves by creating a really beautiful digital portfolio, earning money commission free and getting discovered for from clients all around the world. And so not only is Contra for independence, but if you're someone who's looking to hire, if you're a client from a company or someone just looking to hire an independent, you can do that as well. So a lot of, um, you know, a lot of really exciting things coming up right now, because I think the the future of work is being talked about, especially in the past few years. And there's been some big shifts happening. And we're, we're in a space that um, we see a lot of growth. So excited to talk about it. Yeah, I have so many questions off the bat. Um, okay, so one, <laughs> You do you, all right. Just to get this out of the way, you do do an amazing job on the TikTok, and Thank I would you. take that as a compliment that people know you as that. But then you just rang off a bunch of other roles that you do at your job. I I, I feel like you you have five jobs at Contra. So uh, if anyone from the team's listening, keep that in mind when you uh, when you when. <laughs> but but all all that aside, tell me about your a little bit like the high level. Uh, what your TikTok strategy is right now. Like, do you, is there like a cadence you're trying to hit uh, on TikTok is, or is it just like, you know what, that's, I'm just going to have fun with it when I can. Or is it like there, like, what is, what is sort of like the, the strategy at this time um, on TikTok? Yeah, totally. Um, you're right. I do. I do a lot of the different moving parts here at Contra, but I love it. Um, but with TikTok, that is an area that is really owned by myself and TikTok for for Contra is a huge way that people find out find out about the platform. So it's really important that we spend a lot of time and energy, you know, in that space because as you know, trends come and go, and you kind of have to be on the pulse with all of those things. So the strategy has really changed a lot since kicking it off in early 2021. But right now, since I'm really the only one, you know, producing that content, filming it, editing it. Um, you know, typically the cadences. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And no, and no one else signs off on it. Like you're the you're the the decision maker. Man, I am. That, that is that is amazing. <laughs> that's that's a liberating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it definitely uh, helps with the workflow. Like you don't have as yeah, many definitely. blockers for sure. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's one of the biggest things that, that holds people back 
on social media, especially on TikTok, is like it's all about speed. It's all about being part of the conversation now. And totally. so many times brands try to hop on, they hire creators, and they have 11 people chiming in on this 13-second video. Like, yo, you, you missed it already. <laughs> you know. So one, that's yeah. already a great strategy that like you're the idea person, you're the face of it, and you're the creator. That, that's, that's beautiful. So the current strategy now is like what is the cadence per week? Yeah, so really we're – I put out – at least one video a day and typically like you said like things are happening so fast in the tiktok world that what i do is i pick a day of the week usually it's today which is monday or early in the week tuesday. kind of do oh my god it's tuesday this is what i need maybe this is why i shouldn't have so many things going on yeah, 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 yeah. no but um some sometime early in the week as you can tell yeah. i definitely didn't do it on monday <laughs> but um i usually pick a day to start batch filming and i typically just look at trends and things happening on the for you page in our space and then i'll make you know maybe somewhere from 10 to 15 videos but the thing about that is like those definitely have an expiration date right like if a trend is there that week you should get it out probably that week that day and so yep. you know i try to batch create because i have a lot of other things happening and we want to stay on the pulse but um yeah typically one tiktok a day you know two is an amazing goal it's just a lot of content to be yeah. to be pumped out and i also want to on say like, i couldn't job. Yeah, on top of the job, right? And I also want to say I could not have done any of this without Zoe, who's our head of operations. And um, her and I actually kicked off the TikTok um, together. And, you know, just as things evolved, it's just me right now, which is totally fine. But um, yeah, we used to kind of have a sign off process. And then that evaporated because we were just like, we trust each other. We we understand the voice, the tone of the brand. Like, you know, I, I had it covered. So yeah, that's kind of what the, the strategy looks like right now. And I can talk about some content buckets if it's helpful, but yeah. Yeah, what I think I think maybe because we don't need to go into that too much, but I like talking about it because I mean that the show is called Creators Are Brands. Mm -hmm. You are the creator for a brand, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're essentially working on a day to day basis, helping freelancers get paid, um, finding work that they love through your platform. So like, there's a lot of um, you know, you know uh, I, like areas where like my interests are overlapping with with yeah. you know, everything that you're working on. Um, so you give the one sentence, like the three things that every brand should be doing or on TikTok right now. Like if, if you could sum it up in like one sentence, I, mm. I know it's a lot like, but like what's like the three things in one sentence that that people should be doing on TikTok or, or they're getting wrong. <laughs> okay yeah maybe i'll take both approaches i think something that brands right that brands are doing that should be doing yeah. or doing wrong okay yeah i think brands can be too serious about the content they're producing and like you mentioned earlier they get too in the nitty-gritty about does it look perfect is everything like you just need to keep it casual because tiktok is a casual platform and that's why it works because younger generations they're not like trying to create a one piece of content for three days. Like they're making it in 10 to 15 minutes and putting it out. And so I think with brands, it can be a challenge because, you know, you have a brand reputation, they want to uphold it and they want things to be consistent across like their landing pages and all the other socials. But 
TikTok is a machine and you gotta you gotta give into it a little bit. Just be casual. Don't overthink things. That would be one. Yeah. Um, it's participation. It's not yeah. talking at people. It's just hopping yeah. in the conversation. Exactly. And I feel like the classic example is like a Duolingo, right? Like they're in the conversation. They're in every, not every TikTok, like comment section, but they're in so many random things that aren't just about language learning, right? Like they're just becoming a brand that's recognizable in these conversations and somehow linking it back, right? They're linking it back to themselves in whatever way, but they do such a good job at it and people recognize it, right? They're like, oh my gosh, Duolingo, just like drop that really funny comment in that random TikTok that's going viral. But those yeah. things get recognized. So you have to be able to be fluid. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. I would say some other things. Um, I would say, yeah, like engagement. That's something that I think brands fall off on as well. I think it's really easy for people just to post content and maybe respond to like a few comments or something. But like here at Contra, we try to respond to every single comment within 24 hours. Like that is our cutoff. Like we want everyone to feel heard. We want to understand the questions people are asking because that informs what we're building, right? Like Contra itself is built by independence for independence. And so if we're not listening to our community, like what are we doing, right? Like how are we being inspired about what to build next and how to build it? So I think engaging and like being on the pulse with that is really important. Cool. I, I love yeah. uh, Oh, you got more? You, you, I don't know. You're going to hit it with I'm oh, no. sure you could talk all day on it. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I, 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 no, I think it's a great point. I like, like, if you have the bandwidth to do it, you should have someone. Like, a great strategy in itself is like, like, go on the for you page and just comment on videos and 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 try to get a trend. Like, have one of the comments that is like one of the most liked, pop, most popular comments. Like, that is an yeah. incredible strategy in itself. Mm -hmm. as a brand just like get in the convo like and like make sure that it's like in your tone you know your voice like the way that you would chime in on something if it makes sense to you totally and uh and, and have fun with it like that that's what the platform is about it's like the it's like the playground it's just yeah. just go out there and experiment <laughs> and enjoy it i would also say like if you're a brand and you don't have someone on your team right now that's very like tiktok savvy there are so many creators looking to be hired to one, like produce content, make it, but also to be the people engaging in the comment threads. Like people, like there are freelancers, they're independents, even on Contra right now, who are looking for that kind of work. And so I think if there's a brand out there that's like, oh, we don't have anyone to do this, like hire an independent. Like that is what people are, are craving right now. Yeah, and you bring up a great point, and that's a good segue into Contra. And, and without making it sound too much like an ad, because it's not an ad, I'm not being paid for this conversation. <laughs> um, what, what would – like Contra, right? So immediately if I were to explain it to someone else, they might say, oh, why wouldn't I be on Fiverr? Why wouldn't I be on Upwork? What mm -hmm. would your response to that be? Yeah, my response would be – why start your business, your freelance business on one of those platforms, but then have to use all these other tools to manage your work, manage contracts, like do all these things when you could have it in one place. And so um, I think that's a huge reason we're building Contra the way that we are. Like I mentioned that a lot of the people that work here at Contra were former independents. And so we like understand all the 
the hurdles that yeah. yeah we get it like i i get it like i used to use fiverr like that's how i started freelancing and then i realized there were just some things that i wish were different and then i came across contra and anyways i won't dive into the story but i think having not only the work being managed in one place but also your professional identity so what i mean by that is like you can have your portfolio and your services so all your past experience all the things you offer but then we make it actionable so where if a client lands on your portfolio they're not trying to reach out to you via email via social like they're reaching out to you on contra we have a contract template we have payments like everything is in one place and it makes it so much easier and one of the you know the biggest things i think everyone talks about when they talk about contra is the fact that we're commission free and so you know like on fiverr or upwork or any of these other platforms essentially you're always paying fees you know you're taking they're taking 5 10 20% of your profit at the end of the day and as of you know as an independent that's really not a fun moment right like you're doing all this work and at the end there's a chunk taken out and so i think it's like changing that the narrative to being like independent first and building the platform the way that we wish you know we had something when we were all freelancing yeah that that makes total sense and i mean the way i'm thinking about it too is like there might be a world where you know people are using a couple different platforms for different reasons um mm-hmm. obviously like your goal would be to have everyone you know, <laughs> like, just just go full uh all in on on contra but like there's like you, you know um i like the idea of what would you say uh your your digital identity what is that what did you use yeah 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 it's essentially your professional identity right like if you your think professional of, identity yeah 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 like thinking of like linkedin that's a very that's a platform dedicated to your LinkedIn, professional identity right and your, so uh, for a lot of creatives it could be instagram if you're a photographer right. or a videographer mm-hmm. yeah and i and think it, with contra it's like allowing people to use all the tools that we're giving them in a way that makes sense for them and their business, right? Like, we're not saying you have to do this, you have to do this, like create projects that make sense for your niche and for what your goals are, like offer services that make sense for you. Like there's not limitations. Yeah, it's like you're, it's just an easy way to make a professional landing page for the type of clients that you want to attract. Mm-hmm. I, talk, I talk about that a lot uh, because like, I, I, I you know, I, I started as a, as a freelancer myself and you know, I freelance like f- from you know, um, from being a DJ to a photographer, videographer, graphic designer, like editing podcasts, like uh, you know, you name it. Like I, like I, 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 there was like a bunch of different things that I was I was doing, and like I realized I was like, I, when I when I like share the behind like share the work that I'm doing. And I don't love that project. It, it attract. It still attracts more of that type of project. So I'm like, wait, why am I sharing this? So I like, <laughs> I like the idea of contra because you can kind of curate it to attract more of like those similar type pro- projects. So if you exactly. like working with, um, you know, fitness brands, right? Like you can curate your page where it's like, you know, you kind of build your own profile that speaks to that 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 perfect client that you're that you're 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 seeking to to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And everything that you're adding to your Contra profile, right? Like the different roles that you're working in. So maybe it's, you know, you're a photographer or you can, you know, niche yourself down a bit. And then, you know, when clients are posting opportunities to get filled on Contra, we're using, you know, that information about you, what you've added to your profile to then match you to relevant opportunities for you. So it's like the way that you set up your profile and just set yourself up in Contra 
comes full circle eventually, right? Like you're going to get matched opportunities that are meant for you based on, you know, the skills, the roles and things that you know, and that you have. Yeah. And then, so, so with the, the remote work, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it can, I, and I, I talk about this a lot too. Like my, my wife works remotely. She's a creative herself. And, uh, we're like, we don't really like, have like, even like our close friends, like they can't really relate to our lifestyle. So like it can get, you know, like kind of like lonely, like, like there's certain like, you know, problems in the business that like, it's hard to relate with people that might have more traditional style jobs, right? Like as a, as a freelancer. Um, so like, can you talk to me about like some of the challenges of remote work and the importance of, you know, networking and community building as, uh, as a freelancer? Yeah, absolutely. And that was initially what came to my mind when you were talking is like, you know, a lot of the general feedback about freelancing and working for yourself is that it's lonely and that can totally be the case if you allow that to be the case. Right. And, you know, I was just chatting with, you know, my teammate earlier about this. And one of the things that is so special here at Contra is that we have a community on Slack of thousands of people that work for themselves. Mm. And when I was freelancing, I was doing it solo. Like I had absolutely no one else in my life that was freelancing, working for themselves. So I had no one really to like rely on. And there was moments where I did feel a little bit lonely. And, you know, in those moments I would go on YouTube and just search stuff, but there was, you know, instances where I just wish I could just ask a question, you know, get on a call, like just be connected to real people. And that's exactly what we're doing. You know, like we have a community of people that you can rely on. And so I think working remotely in general, not even just as a freelancer or independent, I, I do think that loneliness is something that people, you know, can run into. And I also think managing yourself and your schedule is something that is a learning curve because typically when you think about your life, right? Like we've probably, you probably grew up and going to like the public school system and then maybe you went to college and then maybe you got a full-time job. So you're always in some type of structure, right? You know where you're supposed to be at what time and you kind of have a schedule outlined for yourself. And as soon as you go independent or maybe you're working remotely, some of those, you know, the structure may not really be there, may not be as relevant and you kind of have to reevaluate, you know, how you're managing your time and what you're prioritizing and, you know, just like the efficiency of your work, I think changes. You make, you make some wonderful points. You no, know, like uh, I, I was thinking about that too. It's like, it, it is kind of, and then you can learn from other people in the community. Like, yeah, how did you structure your time? Like, how do you time block your day so you can be right. productive? I know, I think you guys worked with uh, Jamie, um, Jamie Brindle. Brindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like he, he's like he's like one of like the best uh, thought leaders in the space. Um, I love I love his content, and in one of the videos, he like even just him sharing the behind the scenes of his you know successful freelance business, where he I think I think he was talking about how he breaks up his days where the mornings are the, for the creative work, and then for the afternoon it's for like client outreach, client like communications, mm-hmm. and, and and like um, you know looking for new prospects, and even just that from someone that's like in the space, like um, I'm sure there's tons of that going on in the community. That like when like I, when I was just starting out, like I was like, what that like like it makes so much sense once you hear it, but like you're kind of all over the place if you have no one else to ask questions. Yeah, and like. I, I love Jamie, of course. Jamie, if you're listening yeah. to this, we love you. <laughs> no big yeah, yeah, content's yeah. amazing. And I And I share, love... share this because you have a lot of followers too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, but it's so true. Like I, I also find that my creative work or 
I frame my days around like the work that I know has to be done, like the bigger projects, you know, the hev- the heavier lift has to happen like first half the day because my brain just it just turns off and you get tired throughout the day and so maybe that's a helpful tip for creators who are listening um yeah yeah uh, it that yeah and there's just like a lot of that stuff i just i I imagine just being in that community you, you pick up on that and you just you learn like 10 years of stuff that people had to figure out on their own in you know just the ongoing conversation in that community uh so so let's talk about finding work as so like obviously like a lot of who i talk to with this podcast are people that are building their own audiences right like and i i in my mind like in the creator economy like like world like that is in my mind what a creator is it's someone that is building a like an audience or their own audience right and when you're a freelancer you're usually working for someone else's audience right Mm -hmm. for their brand for you know their platform whatever it is but the amazing thing is most freelancers have the ability to be creators building their own audiences and they do like if you look at jamie right he's building his own audience while he's a freelancer right so he's doing both of those things uh i think you guys work with another creator um She's the she's the the woman who is known for like just making a lot of money as a writer on Fiverr. Alex Pizzullo. Alex Pizzullo. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she's an mm-hmm. example of a creator and a freelancer that like they're they're they they're straddling both worlds. Yeah. Uh, so do you find I don't know uh, in your experience because like um, a lot I've worked with a lot of photographers and videographers that then make YouTube channels, make Instagrams, where they end up building this following where they can get like brand deals. They can monetize that. They can sell their LUTs and everything, but then they also, it leads to more work. Do you Mm -hmm. find that like building your own audience uh, with, with, you know, the people that work with Contra, it ends up leading to more work, you know, through the platform or, or directly with clients? Yeah, absolutely. Like if you just think about it logically, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree having one stream of income has been something that maybe was like typical, you know, for a long time in our world. But nowadays it's not at all because there's so many options for us to open up different revenues yep. and streams of income. I think that's so important. And as you mentioned, like when you're working for yourself, you could be working for a brand, you could actually be building your own audience. And we've definitely seen that come into play and you know just imagine like having a huge youtube youtube following or instagram or a newsletter or having people's emails like there's so much that can come out of that and i think maybe we've become a little bit desensitized to it because we're so used to seeing people now with like 10k and we're like oh that's yeah. a micro that's a micro account it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. 10,000 people like and there's just there's just so there's so many opportunities that can come your way and i think you know, not even just like brand partnerships, but maybe you're introduced to someone like your, your network just grows as you're introduced and as more people are, have their eyes on you. And I also want to say like, this isn't for everyone, like not everyone wants to be in the public eye in this way. And so I think it's really up to, to you to determine like how much of your business and how much you want to share about, you know, the work that you're doing. But if you're comfortable doing that and you want to to build your own community, I, I would have never, you know, say it's a bad idea. I think it, only like good things can come of it. And as soon as it's, you know, not being beneficial, then you stop doing it. You stop putting energy yeah. toward it. You, you want to know one of my favorite things that building your own audience does. It's, um, 
it allows you to be a little bit more picky and choosy about the clients mm-hmm. you work with because you might get a couple brand deals, a couple other ways to monetize. So then you're not as like needy looking for like, you know, saying yes to everything that comes your way. And you can only say yes to things that are truly exciting for you. And when you do mm-hmm. things that are exciting for you, you do better work. And when you do better work, you, 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 you attract more, you know, similar type clients. So I think that like, there's a world where like both like I love when I see people teaching, you know, about like their their craft, whether, you know, it's, um, you know, videos, photography, uh, it, you know, illustration, like it's it's a uh, I, I love that because I'm like, yes, like you're sharing like that's going to get you more clients. But then also you're going to be able to monetize uh, you and you're going to feel more confident about, you know, getting those clients, too. Yeah, exactly. And that that's a great point. It was, it's so funny because the conversation we're having right now, I had earlier with someone else. So it's like, there's just, I think I, there's just like a general consensus around this. I have, I have this conversation with everyone I talk to. <laughs> 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 um, but, and that, that's why I had to. That's why I had to start a podcast because most people don't care. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, all right. I'm going to talk to my microphone, and, uh, and I love and, it. And some people will come to me and talk to me about this too. But no, it's it. it's true. It's true. Uh, it yeah. just gives you leverage. It gives you leverage to to work with the, the type of people that you want to. Exactly, and like, as soon as you put yourself in the position to start thinking about how. You know, as a as a creator, if you're building your own following, like you were owning your work, you now own your work, right? We're so used to working for someone else, like you said, where you don't really have you have ownership of the tasks that you do every day. But at the end of the day, like you don't own it, right? Yep. You don't have an email list, you don't have all these things. So I think reframing people to like their mindsets to understand like that's such a big deal to have access to so many people and having ownership over the work that you're creating that you're doing every day is so important. And I think as soon as you start doing these types of things where you're really aligned with the work that you're doing, you're feeling empowered, you're, you're loving what you do and you're motivated, motivated by it. Like you said, you're going to attract the work that you want, but emphasizing that you're going to attract the clients that you actually want to work with. Because in the beginning of people's freelance journeys, you kind of just say yes to everything or you say yes to like a lot of things, right? Cause you want money, you want experience. That's just typically how it yep. goes. Yep. And you're going to get to a point where, like you said, you have leverage. So you're like, ah, I'm not going to say yes to this because I'm either being underpaid or maybe I don't feel aligned with like the project or maybe the client, you know, whatever it may be. And the minute that you have that breakthrough where you're saying no, you're going to be so aligned with the, the clients you're working with and like making sure you build relationships with those people. Like this shouldn't be something that's just transactional. Right. And I think when people think of freelancing or working for yourself, they just think of like, Oh, these one-off interactions, this one-off project. And it does not have to be like that. You should be looking at every opportunity to build longer term relationships. Yeah, that's so true. That's I, I, you know, I like. So I did do a brand deal with you guys before, and that was actually one of the points I talked about. I think, or unless it was another brand deal, but I'm pretty sure. Like, like I always say that relationships over transactions when it comes to you know uh, working as a freelancer or a consultant or whatever it is, because especially, um, especially when you're. Because uh, a lot of the people that we we work with, right? Like, and I saw this in the music industry because uh, I, I worked in the music industry for a little bit. But I like remember, like, 
I was kind of homies with like a bunch of the people that were like the interns and the assistants. And 10 years later, they're bosses. Like they like <laughs> run companies now. And so I, then I realized in hindsight, I was like, oh, like most of them I was still like had good relationships with, uh, you know, just because like that's something that's a little bit more natural to me. And I was grateful because I was like, oh, I can I literally could call them and ask for, you know, I could ask for anything right now. Um. And I realized that too, like working in, in in the creator economy, that like the people that are like kind of entry level starting these companies, and like when you see or you feel potential, not in like a transactional way, just like hey, how can I help you? Like it's not like I'm looking for a quick buck from them. It's mm-hmm. like hey, we're, we're we're here to work together, um, and just, you know just just kind of just be, be be a resource for them, and then you'll have that relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And I think in the beginning of your freelance journey, you would have to have a lot of grit when it comes to finding clients or, you know, in this case, like on Contra, like being matched to clients, putting yourself out there. Like, I think at first everyone goes through the stage of kind of just having a lot of grit and just putting yourself in situations and getting opportunities saying yes. And like I mentioned, like, I think as time goes on, you get to the, to the point where these relationships then open up so many new doors for you. And the way I like to think about it is, you know, maybe you're, you're trying really hard to get a lot of different clients and opportunities in the beginning. And then it turns into these clients that you're working with are now referring you to their friends, referring you to past companies yep. they've worked with. And that is typically how freelance careers like take off and really become like Absolutely. long-term, super sustainable. And so I always like want to remind people of that, like you never know the client that you're going to have this project with. You could go on like long-term with them, you know, it could be like a year contract, two years, or maybe they're referring you out to someone they know. Like you just, you never know. And you should always keep yep. that in mind. Totally. And like the same thing too is uh, we're talking about like the advantages of being a creator. I've seen this a lot where people will start a podcast. They'll start a YouTube channel. They'll start something. And then like someone um, that is more established in the space reaches out and says, hey, like I saw those clips you were making. Like could you give us strategy on like how you were doing that clips for your little podcast and, and we'll, we'll, we'll pay you. Or like, mm-hmm. can you shoot this music video for us? I saw that one that you shot for your, you know, yourself, like that little parody that you did. Like, can you do this for us? Uh, and, and those creative projects, like, like one of the things I tell people that are in college that are um, like, if they're like not fully hype on like the direction they're going, I tell them, I'm like, Hey, like I get that. Like, like, you know, you, you you don't have, mm-hmm. but like you don't have to go all in on that. Like you can do it and do it well and like show up the class. Um, but if you're not a hundred percent set on like that direction that like your that that college or that major is taking you, start a creative project. Whether it's like, hey, I'm gonna shoot a music video for my friend once a month for the next three months, like something mm-hmm. like that, or like just something that like you ha- you're the boss, you're the decision maker on it. You learn so much in it in, in the process. Uh, maybe it's like starting a clothing line, right? Where like you ha- then have to learn graphic design, or like start a fo- photography project where you post a, a photo every single day for for three months, right? Like eventually you're gonna learn about like. Like there's no risk there, especially if you're mm-hmm. in college. Like what a fun way to learn about like um, your creative interests, uh, you know, the value that you can provide for the world and also build a community at the same time um, yeah. while going to school. Like like you got tons of free time in college. Like, I, like, like, <laughs> like, like start a creative project then. I mean even if you're not in college and, and you have a job that you don't love, like that, that, that also works in that scenario too. Exactly. And I, 
I, I agree with that fully. And I think one of the questions that we get the most often on social is, well, I don't have anything to add to my Contra profile. I don't have anything to put in my portfolio. And we always say like, you know, build it. you don't, yeah, like, <laughs> right. Like build it, like have, like do mock projects, like do a fun project yeah. by yourself, go into our Slack community, work with people there. You know, there's websites that are literally mock project generators to give you ideas on what to do. So if you even have like no creative direction or yeah. you know, interest, you can just go onto a website and get prompted, yeah. right? The whole idea is that on your portfolio, you're showcasing the skills that you have because that's what a client's going to see. And they're going to be like, oh, I trust them. I like their work. And if you don't have that work to show, of course, you're not going to get any clients, right? It's like the whole, did the chicken or the egg come first? People are like, well, I don't have clients, but I don't have experience. And it's like, you have to just create and put yourself out there, put your work out there. And then once you get your first client, then you start to build it with, you know, real projects. But I always say that, right? Like it's such a blocker for people, but if you think about it, everyone starts at that point somehow, right? There's always, we're always at a point where we have no clients, no experience. So how do you get started? And it's mock projects, you know, creative projects, passion projects, things like that. Absolutely. And, and uh, I do a lot of hiring for um, brands that I work with uh, for creatives. And I, I always look for the personal projects. I want to yeah. know what, how they show up when they're the boss. And like, because I want, I want to be able to capture that creativity and mm-hmm. like, and direct it towards whatever the brand's mission is. So that's why, like, you know, if I'm hiring someone for someone's TikTok, like, I want to know what their content looks like and feels like so we can, like, you know, work that to, to actually add value for the brand. Now, mm-hmm. and like, I'm trying to like, so one of the points that I want to discuss with you is just like being successful working for Mm -hmm. yourself. And, and I think the thing that I want to kind of zoom in on, um, and we're kind of going around the subject, but just the idea of being a, a strong communicator as a freelancer, Mm. right? Like you can make the best work, but if you're difficult to communicate, you don't know how to communicate your value. Uh, you don't know how to reach out to people. Like, you're not going to get the job. And I think Jamie actually said that in one of his videos. He was like, the, the, the money doesn't go to the most creative people. It goes to the people that can communicate their, their creativity the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Because I've known people in my personal life who are so good at what they do, but they have such a lack of confidence in themselves to like pitch themselves or to even get on a call and like you have to be able to do those things you are your business like you have to be able to present yourself communicate the things that you need and it's just such a huge deal and it's huge on the client side too right like if there's clients listening to this podcast too like you also have to have strong communication skills it's a two-way street and yeah i mean if you're someone who's looking to go independent become a freelancer you absolutely need to understand how to communicate be confident in yourself. And if you feel like you have no confidence, fake it till you make it because you need to, you need to build that up. And people are not going to want to work with you or believe that you can get the work done unless you exude that. Like you have to bring yourself to the situation knowing that like, Oh, I'm worthy of doing this, this job and the communication will come. Right. But definitely with like, timelines with budget with like negotiating like all these things you need to have in your mind walking into a project like what are your expectations and if you're not communicating those how how is your client supposed to know right and being able to have that discourse is so important 
It's so important. Uh, it's uh, and it's not going to be smooth at the beginning. Like, totally. and know that that's fine. But I think the one thing that you can lean into at the beginning is just the idea that uh, you want you want to ask, like when you first talk to a client, your job is to ask as many questions as possible. Like, mm-hmm. really learn what their goal is, what their mission, what they really need out of this. Uh, and it, I find that like like when I started doing that, uh, it it, it, it kind of positions you as someone that knows what they're doing, even if you don't entirely know, because you can always ask questions about that thing. All right, so who who is your target audience? Where do you want this video to go? What what don't you like about previous videos that you've done? Mm-hmm. What what types of videos do you like the best? Like shape getting all of what they want out of their head, so then you can come up with a strategy to deliver on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's just like one scenario of the like the communi- like the communication between you and a potential client. There's other ways like the visual aspect of like your portfolio, and that's where Contra comes in, communicating you know what your style of work is, who you worked worked with in the past, um, mm-hmm. what your your main value add as as a creative is. Uh, but like yeah, asking questions like that's yep. not that hard to do. You can practice that with your friends. Just like next time you're with them, pretend pretend they're a client and just ask them a bunch of questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like when you're on your first client call, or even if you're not getting on a call, you're doing it async through you know email or whatever it is. Like you you should have a list of things written down and prepared going into that conversation so that you do not miss a beat. And then like as things come up naturally, like of course ask, but you should always come prepared because if you catch yourself in a situation where you're trying to gather as much information as you can, like you said, and you're not asking the right questions or asking questions that you're going to need those answers to later on, like you're doing something wrong. Like you should become prepared. And obviously there's always things that are going to pop up after the call ends, after that first communication line of communication ends that are always going to naturally occur. And you keep asking questions throughout the process, but like your job is to gather as much information as you can, because you're trying to provide as much value as you can for these clients and making it as easy as you can for them. Like people want to hire independents who take the stress off of them. Like that is the whole point of hiring, right? They don't want to have to sit there and ask you questions and ask for updates. Like you have to be able to communicate thoroughly throughout the entire project, right? And I think it's one of the biggest things I learned and that I share all the time in our community. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a great point. I, I, I love that. Like in in that call too, when I when I'm usually talking to a client, and this took a while to learn, and it's, it might be hard to do at the beginning, but like I kind of go in with the sense of I'm interviewing them to see if yeah. I want them to be a client, and having the idea that like I don't need them, like, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, if we're a good fit, and I like to say that, like, you know, kind of prime the conversation, like, yeah, let's get on a call to see if we're a good fit to to help you, you know, reach some of your goals. Not saying like I would love to work with you, like 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 that needy energy actually like it, it can like push people away. It can you know they mm-hmm. might take advantage of you on like how much they're paying you. And exactly. I like to kind of yeah look at it as like I'm I'm interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing me, and I want to see if one. Here's the other thing too, you can also provide value by not working with them and just saying like hey like looking at it and be like I, I'm actually not the best fit for you, but I know someone that might be, or I can direct mm-hmm. you this way, and like this is where you might be able to find some people that can. That's still providing value. You're creating that relationship that we talked about before, and maybe in the future when a project does make sense, you'll you'll be top of mind. Exactly. It's so funny you mentioned that because we're you know we're always cooking up stuff here at Contra, different features, different things, and I will say that we're going to make it really easy to do 
a lot of those actions, which is really exciting. But I digress about that. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, it's a little sneak peek. But I, yeah, I think like walking into those conversations, you should never assume that the client just knows more than you or it's more organized than you or can communicate better than you because a lot of the times that's not the case a lot of the times clients are like hiring for the first time and have absolutely no idea what this looks like and so the more that you can prepare on your end and walk into that conversation and like own it the more that they're going to be like oh yeah i trust them like they know what they're doing right and even if this this is your first time it's like that first impression of like yep i've got this on lock i know the, the questions i know the things that i need like you can impress your client and i think some people just imagine oh like they they have it all figured out like they're gonna kind of control the situation they do not need to at all like you guys are on a level playing field and that's i think what we're trying to balance out right now because i feel for so long we've seen as like clients and companies hiring freelancers right it's like no like we're on the same level we're on the same level do do you have any pricing tips or pricing mindsets Mm. I mean, I think there's like a large debate around, you know, should I, you know, price myself by the hour, by the project? Um, I think it really depends on what you're offering, like what service you're offering. I typically would do it by project based on the work that I've done in the past. I think hourly can just become difficult. On contrary, we give everyone the option, like when you're creating your, your contract and laying everything out, like you can choose, you know, the budget range and all of that good stuff. But, um, you know, I think it differs. Something that, you know, we're working on is providing more education around pricing because it's something that typically in the freelancing world, people just undersell themselves. Like it has just been this race to the bottom and it really impacts. Oh, it's so, it's so like annoying to think about. If anyone, I have so many friends ask me, they'll be like, Hey, I'm working on this project. Like how much do you think I should price this? And I like, I, 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 I think I, some of them stop asking me because I always tell them the price, like, like something that's way uncomfortable for them, like way too much in in their eyes. And I'm like, well, honestly, like, that's what I would do if I was you like, Mm -hmm. like, like you're worth that. I've seen your work. Um, and here's the thing. If you get 10 people asking you and five and like, you don't get you know, you get half the people saying yes, you're still making the same amount of money, but you're doing half the work. That's mm-hmm. the math that I see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think too, like walking into these client conversations, I feel like a lot of times they'll be like, if you haven't already discussed pricing, they'll be like, okay, well, what's the price? And I think as an independent, you need to one, like set the tone that like, you need to understand the timeline, the full scope of work. Like you should never be throwing out a price before you know exactly what's being asked of you. Because as soon as you throw out that price that is out there now, and there's, it's very hard to increase that, right? It's really easy for a client to be like, yes, or let's bring it lower, but you're probably not going to to try to increase that. And so putting yourself in a position, you know, maybe you're shooting a little bit higher. And like you said, like you're thinking about the worth, that you, you know, you think that you're worthy of this price, but also you have to think about, it's not just the work that you're providing them, but that work can provide them so much value for so long. Like think about a landing page, for example, right? Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, 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 you're not wrong. Uh, Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, But yeah, a landing page, but also like one thing I'm going to interrupt you real quick and say Mm -hmm. is a lot of people don't realize that they're, they're, 
doing strategy for the client and they're doing the creative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is a price all in itself. So like I try to train people like, yeah, like the reason you would price this is because there's three different things that you're doing here. There's a strategy, yep. there's the edits, there's the follow-up, there's the, you know, like, you know, everything on top of, of just like what they think the final video is you're doing in, in the beforehand and you can break those down and price for all of them. Exactly. And that's why figuring out like the scope of work, you know, and when I, when I say that, just asking your client, like, what are all the deliverables that you need? And then you as independent need to say like, okay, based on the prior experience I have doing all these things, I know that there's three other elements within each of these buckets, right? You have to account for the time that you're going to be spending. Like you said, the research is that there's so much energy that goes into these deliverables. It's not just what meets the eye. So totally agree. And what I was saying about the landing page is like, like that's just an example, right? Like you create a beautiful landing page for them. Think about how many people are then gonna probably land on that landing page, gonna actually become users. If it's a paid platform, they're gonna be making money from that. If it's free and then there's paid options, they're gonna be making money from that. Like these companies are gonna be getting so much value from the work that you do for so long. And so a lot of the times people also not only think about like hourly or project-based, but also like value-based pricing too. That's another category. Yeah, value-based pricing is something that like I've definitely studied. Um, I don't like I I, I I I totally get the concept, and I see all the thought leaders talking about it, and it's definitely inspired me to price it differently. Like I don't have it down to like a T, mm-hmm. but like I that's like sort of my philosophy when it comes to it. Like like what am I actually bringing to this company? Not like how am I punching the clock. Um, right. and tracking hours for this thing because, you know, I mean, if, if you look at a lot of the companies too, they, they hire, they're looking to save time, make something more efficient, make something more productive on them too. Like as the company, like they have a full job, like they don't want managing, like, like if you're hiring someone to do a video, you're like, yeah, they could go with the cheapest option, but then are they going to have to do it three or four times when they could just go to the person that's going to deliver the one, you know, the one time and get us that result that we're looking for, like mm-hmm. get these specific conversions. And that comes back to the communication thing, being able to communicate that like, that's what you're able to do in your work. And uh, that's, yeah. it's, that's easier said than done. Uh, but like constantly w- working to improve that each project. Yes, exactly. And I, I think too, like, as the independent, right, you're the expert at the work that you do. And so let's say a client comes to you with a scope of work and you're like, okay, great, I could do all these things. But knowing how people are going to interact with the work or knowing how this company is going to use the work that you create in the future, like take it one step further. Is there something you can even pitch to like add on top of that, like to add to the scope of work? Like maybe you're thinking through, like you said, making something that's scalable and more easy for the client to use when you're gone. Right. And so I think there's this element of, yes, they're going to give you a scope of work, but as the expert, you can also pitch like, Oh yeah, you may need this element in the future. You may need this deliverable, you know, like you, you should know those things and it never hurts to ask, right? Like if they say no, they say no. And that's not a part of the work you're going to do from them, but you never know until, you know, you pitch it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like I. I would say if you're thinking about like if, if like giving a price gives you anxiety, I would say see it as a practice in like self development, right? Like I like to be like okay, like 
I, in my head, I'm thinking it's this price. And like, what would it look like if I had the confidence of someone that charged double? Like, what, like, mm-hmm. who would I, what's the type of person I would be like to be able to charge double and kind of see it as in a practice and like kind of improving how, how you feel about like yourself and the value that you bring to the world. Um, and so a couple of rules, a couple of things that like have helped me. One is if, if they, uh, if they accept the first price, you might have priced too low. Um, <laughs> That that's one way of thinking about. It. Like I heard someone say that before. I was like, oh, I kind of like that. Like if there's no pushback, like yeah, like there was, you know, m- maybe like you want them, like hey, like that's not in the budget. Like we'd rather be around this range, and then you can go back to that. Um, the other one is um, charge twenty percent for the imposter syndrome tax. So if you're at a thousand dollars, throw was twenty percent of that. Um, throw two hundred on that for. Like you probably as a creative person, like we want people to like us. So we like charge a price that we think that like is going to mm-hmm. make them like our work more. But no, like like you deserve it. Like but imagine you didn't have that imposter syndrome. Charge that other 200. The other one is charge 10% more or like after you're done a project. So you did a video. You worked with this pe- these people for 60 days. You finished it. You sent it to them. It's out. Then look at your prices then because that's when you're like tired. You're kind of pissed at the project. You're like – you're like, you're, you know, now you have a clear vision of like what would I have priced on that? And like that's a good time to raise your prices, maybe 10% for the next round. And then you also – like you can look at it like tangibly. You can be like, yeah, look, look what I just did. Like mm-hmm. I, temp- I could definitely have gotten 10, 10% more. So each time gives you a little bit more confidence to, to price a little more. Absolutely. And it feels so good when, when you like look back at your, your services just increasing over time. And I think if you're seeing a huge influx of people like reaching out to you, ready to work with you, there's a good chance that you probably should increase or think about increasing your prices, right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like in, that also if, helps you say no and helps you say yes to fewer things and has your, you know, you only have so much capacity, right? You can't say yes to everything. Yeah. And so it makes it much easier for you to have fewer high higher paying you know opportunities than having a million really small you know small exactly exactly like like the tips the tips i just kind of provided there they're more for someone that's probably like a year like one year in where they've experimented they worked on a bunch they said yes to a bunch of things they kind of got abused by some people kind of some people got took advantage of like you know their time on the projects then it's like okay then start thinking about these frameworks of of, Mm -hmm. of how to price a little bit more and and charge what you're worth yeah, and I will say that like pricing yourself super low comes across as like, oh, this may not be the highest quality of work, right? And I think a hundred percent. I think this is like a really big thing that holds people back from starting to work for themselves because they just think like, oh, I can't make that much because we're so used to seeing all these like really low paying opportunities, like Fiverr, for example. Obviously, the whole precipice of the the whole you know platform is like five dollar services i understand that but like that does rub off on the industry as a whole and like the perception that people have of working for yourself right and i think that's what we're trying to avoid so hardcore here at contra is like the race to the bottom is not a thing here like we only allow opportunities to be posted by clients that are at least 25 dollars an hour and above and we always give budget ranges like we are not messing around like we we don't want people to lower themselves like that's amazing standards should be high and it just creates a culture around getting paid your worth and it makes your job so much more enjoyable you know working for yourself like you feel like you're actually 
making it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, like, what happens if, if you're not charging a lot? You're actually doing a disservice to the clients because then you have to take on more clients and you can't exactly. focus on those, those, those key projects and actually deliver results for them. Exactly. All right, so let's talk about the future of work. What is the future of work? <sighs> future of work. What a loaded question, Tom. I mean, it's so many things, it, but... When we think about the independent economy, the the, yeah. the future of work for creatives. <laughs> I think, like I mentioned earlier, it's really about owning your work, creating multiple streams for yourself, and like having the chance to run your business completely independent, right? Like not having to rely on a million platforms, like having all the things you need to be successful in one place. And I think it's about simplicity. I think it's about remote work. I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of things that we believe here, but it's about people feeling really empowered to do the work they love. And of course, you know, every day you wake up, you're not going to be like, let's go, but you should feel excited about what you're doing and feel aligned with what you're doing. and feel like you're getting paid your worth. And I think that's where the future of work is headed, right? It's becoming borderless, decentralized. Like I think there's a lot of different elements, but I think there's a few that come to mind there. And, I, and that's the mission here at Conscious, like make people feel really empowered to do this kind of work and give people all around the world the opportunity to do it, right? It's not just for, you know, certain people, like it's not, these select few that can work for themselves, like making it accessible um, to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to throw like one. Um, well, yeah. I'm going to throw something in there. Uh, I think it, a big thing uh, as an independent um, freelancer creative, um, a big thing that you can do that is super selfless, but helps your career a lot is whenever you see opportunities for other creatives mm -hmm. that are that you see work projects make sense for them connect them with that client that brand that other creator right because what happens is they likely are going to need you know a range of stuff created for their company in the future um, so if that creative gets in with them or like that you're top of mind, then like you're, you, you can add value in so many ways to other creatives, to other companies, right? Without actually having to work for them, right? Then you get in the conversation, then you're top of mind when they're looking for you. So l what I like to say is, um, cheer, cheer for and promote people doing great work, right? Cause yeah. then they're going to get the attention. They're going to get the, you know, the, the projects and then you, you're going to be, they're going to think about you and your work when uh, when that project, that perfect project comes up where where uh, your skills are needed. Uh, and then the other thing is um, just check out Contra. Check out Contra. <sighs> see if it's like – no, no, for, for real. Like see if – like see how that fits in. Um, with with your digital your your professional identity and and see mm -hmm. if that's a, a you know where you want to be posting your work, um, you know, obviously like you know we're talking to a lot of creators on on this podcast, but like you know maybe there's something that you're doing for your brand already as a creator where you're like yeah I want I want to make an extra fifteen hundred dollars extra a month I I might throw up my own projects that I've done for the last year and a half up there and just see if anyone wants to reach out to to work with me. Absolutely. And like, I'm going to add in here, it's totally free. Like there's not a barrier to entry, right? Like if you want to check it out, come and join. There's literally no barrier. Like it's so easy to get started. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. Right. And that's totally fine. But I think 
you won't know until you try. And there's, like I said, an amazing community to support you. And I agree with what you said. The future of work is a hundred percent community-based and community-oriented. Like you cannot do these, you cannot work independently, completely independent, right? Like you can't just be isolated and alone. Like you need to have people that you're connected to. And that's the way you grow. Like, so that's the way anything grows in this life, right? Knowing people, getting exposed to other people, having introductions, like those things will come. You just have to put yourself in the space to, to make those relationships for sure. Sam, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> where should people go to find you? Should we send them to TikTok or like, where, where do we want to go? Yeah, we'll send them. Okay. So if you guys want to follow us on TikTok and check out our content, we post a ton of resources and tips about freelancing or remote work, you can check us out at Contra HQ. And then for Instagram, we're just at Contra. And um, yeah, if you're just curious to read more about Contra and what we're up to, you can head over to Contra.com. We have tons of information on our website too. And please go ahead and share this podcast, share it to a friend that might be interested in this in this type of content. Uh, so grateful for you listening to the show. And Sam, so grateful for you hopping on today yes. and sharing your wisdom about the independent economy. Yes. Thank you so much, Tom. It was wonderful.